This morning I'm going to take us on just a few weeks through some of the themes that come in the book of Acts. And, and let me give a little bit of introduction of where this comes from. We have been, uh, over the last several weeks now, offering a, a schedule of readings to go through the book of Acts together. So for those of you who have taken advantage of that and have been reading along with us, that, that's a schedule that has been a chapter a day, so it's not a whole lot of reading as we go through. But we are up to chapter 20, if you're reading through that. Uh, 20 out of 29 chapters, which means we're getting close to the end of reading through the book of Acts. And at this point in reading through Acts, if you've been doing that with us, maybe you've been noticing some of those themes that come up over and over again that highlight for us what the church was going through as all of these stories in the book of Acts comes be come before us. So I'm, I'm going to take a few weeks and work through some of those themes that we see about the church in the book of Acts. And if you have not had the opportunity to be reading Acts along with us, that's okay. You'll, you'll still follow along just fine here. If you would like to still catch up to that, I don't want this to sound overwhelming, because really it's not. If it feels like a lot to say, I've got to read a chapter of the Bible a day, because you've just got one of those, you live a life where some days it just feels packed, from the moment you get out of bed till you go back to bed again, find time somewhere. It may sound like a lot. The book of Acts is 29 chapters. But if even for someone who reads at a slow pace, you can sit down and in one sitting read the entire book of Acts in probably about two hours. Think about that. That's about the time it takes to sit and watch a movie or catch a football game on TV you can sit and read through the book of Acts in about that amount of time. Here's what I'm saying. I, I think it's accessible for all of us. Any one of us could do that, to sit down and do that. And I, I do often make a point of reading the Word of God, that it's through the Word of God that we figure out and find out who God is and what God has done. And in figuring out who God is and what God has done, helps us to figure out and know who we are as people created in his image and set apart by him. It's through God's word that we pick all of that up. And it's such a rich thing for us to be reading. So take advantage of that. Uh, we have the reading schedule that's out. There are still copies of that at the Welcome Center. It's also attached to our prayer email that goes out every day. And, and for all those chapters that are in the book of Acts, we, we include just a question for thought that goes along with that chapter that helps you see how those themes are developed in that. But take advantage of that if you have not done that already. And Today we pick up on some of those themes. So I'm, I'm going to do this by reading just one section that comes at the end of chapter 2. But that's going to be the launching point for me to make reference to other stories that take place in other places throughout Acts. Okay, So Acts chapter 2, beginning at verse 42 says this. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many signs and wonders performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. 
Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. When my kids were young, and and I'm talking like really young, so preschool age, that kind of a thing, uh, I... I would play with them in the yard, and, and we would play, and, and, and I need to tell you that my family is, is not the most athletic family. That just wasn't not who we really are. So, so when we would play in the yard, and I'd play wiffle ball with my kids, we didn't really have rules, because that's just the way we played. So, so when, when they would be up and they would hit the ball, they didn't run the bases in any particular order. They would just go to whichever one was head farther away from the ball or the people weren't there or or they wouldn't go to all the bases maybe just going to one base and back was enough or they would add more bases so so if they would see that I had the ball toward second base they would just make up another base to go to instead that kind of a thing and any ball was a fair ball there was no foul so wherever you hit it wherever it went fair ball start running I I know so for maybe some of you who are really really keyed in on athletics and think, oh man, but what about the skill and what about the technique and developing the talent and sorry, that, that just wasn't us. We didn't do that. That's how my kids played. And, and we would also play with them when they were really young, marching band. So I mean, we had little kid toys, right, of, of musical instruments, drums to hit and little keyboard things. And it was just noise Right? There was no actual music, no, no coordinated song coming out of that. It was just noise around the house that we just did for fun. But you can't really imagine that being something that carries through professionally, can you? You don't go home and turn on a, a football game on TV and expect to see professional players just making up the rules as they go along. That you can't really have a coordinated game that way. You don't go to a musical concert and the conductor starts waving a baton and instruments just play noise, whatever. That's not really how we expect it to work at that point. I want us to consider today maybe a little bit of how the church works and how we're a part of the church and, and think of it maybe a little bit like that because here, here's what I think. I, I think that we in the church, we all have an idea. We have an idea that, you know what, we're on the same team. We're in the same band. We're in the same orchestra. We get that. We know that part. God has called us to be together with this thing that he calls the church. But, but sometimes I wonder, are we playing different games? We're all going in different directions because we think the rules are are different. Or we're playing different songs. And so I've got my idea of what I think the song should be, and then someone else has a different one, and someone else has a different one, and and then it's just noise. We get that we're all on the same team. We get that we're all in the same orchestra. But do we all play the same game? Are we all playing the same symphony together? I think reading through the book of Acts, then, is good for us in that regard, right? 
Reading through the book of Acts, you just get this snapshot of the church and what the church is up to and what God is doing through the church in a way that maybe helps us realize something more than just being on the same team. But we get a sense of what it is we're actually doing together, of that song we're actually playing together when we see the church. So let's consider a bit of that today. Considering what the book of Acts has to tell us about the church and what the church is. I'm, and if you're following along, trying to take notes with us, I'm going to go through three observations here, okay? So we're going to talk about what the church is, and I'll make three points along that as we go through this, of what we see the church being. And first of all, I suppose we should note that, especially as we read through this little snapshot in the end of chapter 2, that the church is a community. Let's, let's be clear about that one right up front. Church is a community. A community. It's people. It's not a building. It's not programs that are put together. It's not some kind of an established enterprise. It's not a business in that sense. But it's people. A community. People that come together. And so it, it takes different shapes and forms within that. And it can take a variety of shapes and forms within that. D- did you catch the few things that described the church just in those few words we read at the end of chapter 2? That they gather for meals together, breaking bread. They gather for fellowship. They gather for prayer. That they worship together. That, that they give to one another as there are needs there They're just people being people together. And the Bible calls that church when they're gathered together in Christ. I know sometimes maybe then we've got different ideas going on in our own head of of what church is. Uh, Because for those of you who are here in this room today, perhaps the thought was, and maybe you didn't think this out loud, but it's subconscious that's there, I'm going to church today in this place with these people doing these things, praying, singing, reading God's word. That somehow in our minds counts as church. But Acts tells us about more than that, doesn't it? Meals together in fellowship. I know there's groups of you that do other things too. So, so for those of you who, you know, Sunday afternoons or evenings, you get together and you, and you do the pinochle cards or you play the games or, or however you deal that out. You're gathering together as people in the church and you're sharing fellowship together. Something about that counts as church. We don't think of it that way. Or, you know, you group of guys that every Monday you're at the Rainbow Grill. You share a meal around a table there. That's what we kind of read about right here in Acts, that they gathered together for meals. They counted that as church. Or for your ladies who do the, the Friday at the Rainbow Same thing. That there are these things that we do together, and some of those just seem like no-brainers. Yeah, we're here today on a Sunday morning for a service. Of course that's church, but how often have you thought that, you know, when I'm getting together with my other friends from here and we're just meeting at a restaurant and sharing a meal, that's church too. At least the way Acts describes it, that counts as part of God's community. 
described there. So it doesn't always necessarily mean it's got an announcement in the bulletin and a sign-up sheet and it's featured on the website and it's in the church calendar. It doesn't have to check all those boxes to count as church. So, so let's, let's begin working with some of that. This idea that maybe church and what it means to be the church and do the things that God has called the church to do stretch a little bit outside of the boundaries that maybe we set up in our own mind, a box that we keep church inside of. And maybe, just maybe, we'll find out that there's actually a lot more that we're doing that counts as church, but, but we haven't thought of it that way. That, that hasn't occurred to us, the way that works. Or, or maybe, there are some things that we're doing that we think do count as church, but looking through the book of Acts, we realize, hmm, but that's not the way the Bible describes church. Maybe it goes that way too. Some of the things that we think might be church actually are not. So let, let's work with that. Work with that in a way that helps us, as I say, recognize that we are not only all on the same team together, but we're working on the same game. We're playing the same symphony, that we understand what it means for us to be the people of God as God's church. A community, people, not just a building, not just a slate of programs and things to sign up for, and activities to be had. So what do we say about this church community? Well, let's start with this, that first of all, the church is a community that is gathering. You see that in Acts, that this is a community that gathers, that they get together, and they get together in so many different forms, and I've mentioned what some of those forms are. They gather for meals, they gather for prayer, they gather for worship, they gather in homes, they gathered in the temple courts. Wherever it was that they gathered together, they called that church. And, and here's the thing that we note in the book of Acts. The place was not the important part. Those first Christians in the early church didn't have church buildings. They didn't have a place where they would go and call that church. Most of them, as you're reading through the book of Acts, most of them are gathering in their homes. That there are these little home gatherings that take place. If you've ever had the opportunity to be a part of a small group, if you know what a small group ministry is, that we do that, that you're together with a, a group of other people, yeah, five, six, seven, eight, maybe up to 10 or 12 people, and, and you do a Bible study together or something like that. So if you've ever been a part of a small group where every now and then you take turns and you meet in each other's homes, right? It's a potluck thing. Everybody brings something for a meal, and you either read through some scripture or pray together. That was what they called church back in Acts. That what we would do these days as what we consider a small group, they called church at its most basic form. Just gathering together in those small groups like that. You don't get a sense in Acts that 
that there was this giant gathering. Oh, you see these snapshots. You see these snapshots where maybe Paul or Peter are are preaching to a large crowd and people come and gather around that. But as you read through Acts, don't you also get the sense that the day-to-day activity of what they considered to be the church were these small pockets of people that would just meet in each other's homes and share this community together. It wasn't about size. It wasn't about, in their mind, building this giant coalition. They weren't about that. They were about these communities, a community of people that gather. I think in the last couple of years, as, as we've been navigating through this time that, that we call pandemic, we've been figuring out how that gathering works in ways that are so important. Because when there was time when, when we just had to meet virtually online and had to be in some isolation, then people noticed how much I miss that gathering when it's not there and how much we longed to have that back again and search for those places to gather. We caught that sense, didn't we? Caught that sense of how important the gathering is for people to be together in community as a church. Every now and then when I, when I touch base with shut-ins along the way, and every now and then I will hear some of the stories of lament. Lament from some of them about how they long to be able to be here in the gathering of God's people. But because of age and declining health, they just can't do that anymore. They miss that. It's an important part. But it's a gathering that that also takes place in other forms, and and we, we recognize that too. That even in the Bible, they wrote letters. Uh, and, and their letters were a way of remaining in community as they did that. And, and we do that yet today, too. We write notes to one another. And we've got technology to do more than that. Phone calls or email or text messages. All those ways that we connect. All those things that help us be a community of people that takes that shape that way. So the church is a community that gathers. And we recognize that God works through that. I suppose then, and, and there are people that make this argument, people that say, you know what, I know, my, I know I have faith in God. I have a Bible. I read my Bible. I can even sing worship songs to myself. And, and I've got my time of devotion and my time of prayer. I can do all the, thing that, all the things that check off the religious boxes by myself. But the book of Acts tells us something, that church is a community that gathers. That at least the way we read about the church in the book of Acts, those things that you would just do in isolation all by yourself, I don't think the Bible would call that church because it always talks about the gathered community being a part of God's gathered people together, a church that is gathering. Something else we see about the church in the book of Acts. It's a community that's growing, growing. 
This one needs a little bit of explanation that it, it might be a little hard for us to bear through in that. Because the book of Acts does talk about numbers. Right? And, and even in today's passage, we saw that. The Lord added daily to their numbers those who were being saved. In the story of Pentecost, where, where the Holy Spirit comes and Peter goes out in Jerusalem and he preaches the gospel message, 5,000 people were saved and added to their number that day. It, it talks about numbers growing. But here's the part where I want to make a distinction that is good for us to note in the book of Acts. The numbers, the people being added, the growing, were new believers. New believers. Those who came to know and accept faith in Christ. If we were to come back to this place next week and every single chair in this room was filled, every single one, but they all came from a different church, like a transfer kind of a thing, Acts would not count that as growth. Simply filling a room full of people, that does not count as growth. At least not the way the Bible's describing it. Transferring around from one church to another doesn't count as growth. Because here's what we see in the book of Acts, that when the book of Acts talks about church and thinks about church, they think about it as a whole, right? That, That it's the entire church as it exists all throughout the world. It's all of God's people, so... Shuffling them around from one congregation to another, the book of Acts doesn't count that as any terms of growth. It's adding new believers. It's people coming to faith in Christ for the first time. That's what they count as growth. That becomes something where, I mean, I will tell you that that as a minister, I, I do this for a living, and, and I meet with other ministers. I've got colleagues around, and, and, and we get caught in that. We get caught, I would say, maybe too much in thinking about numbers in terms of how many people are coming and sitting down in your sanctuary on a Sunday morning. Acts doesn't count that as a metric. I think the metric that we need to work with, the thing that we need to count is, we need to ask ourselves, How many new believers are we baptizing? How many people are coming to faith? That's the metric that the book of Acts is talking about. People coming to faith in Christ. And it seems like in today's culture, showing up and being in a sanctuary on a Sunday morning is is the last step in that process. It's not the first step. It's not the first step to get them in the door on a Sunday morning and to sit in the room. That's the last step to get them there. The first step seems to be a relational connection. So if you've been reading through the book of Acts, look at how this takes place, that Paul would go and travel around to these other cities, and the first thing he would do is he would try to identify in these cities all around the Roman Empire, is there a synagogue in this city? a place where the Jewish people who may be scattered gather, he would start there. He'd go find a synagogue, and then he'd start talking about Jesus and preaching about Jesus and see if there are those who understand the Jewish religion who catch on to that message. Oh yeah, Jesus, this is a radical new message of grace. I'm on board. I'm with that. 
And he would start converting people that way. And then Gentiles, the people who were not Jewish, would be added to that too. That they would come to faith in Jesus. Paul and his journey were always looking, they were always looking for people who would be new to the faith and they would grow this community in that way by those who come to believe for the first time. And it was this relational connection that they would do. That they would just meet with people and get to know people. And that would grow their community by doing that. We see that take place. We, we, we understand something about that. We have opportunities, even in the ministries we do here, to connect with people from our community who come into this building for other things and to make community with those people and to start that first step on that journey, that journey that brings people to learn who Jesus is and accept faith in Jesus. We have opportunity to do that. Some of you have, some of you have had the opportunity to be mentors or peer support along the way in some of those ministries. You know what that's like, whether it's on our Tuesday night program that we do that or through some other ministry that you're a part of. Some of you who maybe volunteer your time in the Calvin Prison Initiative and get to know people there or volunteer your time with 70 Times 7 Life Recovery. And you know what a staple, what a center point of that ministry is to have mentors, people who walk alongside others, relationship, community, it's at the heart of how those things work. Because we can do all the programs in the world, but if there's not a community of relationship that walks along with that, it doesn't tie in to be a church. Because church is community, a community that grows. Acts doesn't just talk about numbers of growth, though, right? It, it also talks about church in the sense of growing in faith, growing in knowledge, and learning more and more about who Jesus is and how Jesus works in our lives and who God is recreating us to be that as we learn more about the faith that we have in Jesus, that we grow in that way, too. It's a community that is growing in faith as we gather together and as we support one another, as we do those things. We read in today's passage the way that they shared all of their possessions. Right? If, if they had things that were abundantly beyond what they needed, they would sell that and share the money or share the possessions. They understood that within the community that we support one another, that we give for one another, that we help one another says in our passage today that they had everything in common. Uh, let me dissect that one just a little bit. Everything in common. That does not mean that they were all exactly the same. That's not what it means that they had everything in common. That, that Greek word there for being in common means that they held everything together as one. Right? Common, community, they, they come from the same root word. That they, they looked at what it is that they had, the blessings that they received from God, and they recognized, you know what, this isn't just mine, but God has given me what I have to be ours. A word that maybe we use for that today is we, we talk about that as stewardship. 
that we are called to be good stewards of God's creation, of everything that he's given us. Because it's not ours, but it all belongs to God. So this early church had this sense of everything in common, that everything that they had, they had to be able to share with one another. Now, all right, at the risk of, of maybe taking this in a direction that sounds a little, a little bit off for us, you could say that that first church were communists. All right, but let me, let me explain. Okay. Not in a political sense, right? Not in a government sense. Not in a sense of, of the state owns the property. But in the sense that God owns it. That everything I have belongs to God. So their community shared with one another in that sense, recognizing that everything that we have comes from God. And we use that together. So, so the way that worked then is, is they discovered and they learned as their faith grew, as they were growing in faith, that as they learned to live in dependence on God, along with that and interdependence with one another developed within their community. Right? As, as they grew in dependence upon God, their interdependence with one another also grew as a part of what it meant for them to be a community that is growing. And then one more. One more thing we see, that the church is a community that is going. That they didn't just stay in one place. When you read through the book of Acts, you see that primarily with those missionaries that were sent out. Paul is one who goes around all over and plants these churches, and, and he begins by taking Barnabas with him. So the two of them together, they travel around, they start these church communities, they go back to their home base where they came from, the city of Antioch. Uh, they, they make a trip down to Jerusalem to visit the apostles down there. Then Paul and Barnabas think, we need to do this again, let's go and travel again, but, but they've got some different directions for that. So Barnabas takes another disciple, John Mark, and he goes in one way. Paul gets a new companion, Silas. He goes another way. They keep spreading out. They're going. That they never really seem to have the sense that what they think of as church is is held inside of some walls somewhere. But it's always moving outside. It's always moving beyond. It's always spreading out, going into their communities. Now, we read about those who were sort of set aside as missionaries, but, but what about the day-to-day people? We don't catch a whole lot of story about that as sort of the headlines in the book of Acts. But you do see some glimpses there. It becomes clear as you read through the book of Acts, it becomes clear that the hub, the center for the New Testament church moves from Jerusalem to Antioch. It's a city in the north. And it's not a place where you would think of as being the home base for the church. But but it becomes that. Paul lives there for an entire year, building that church in Antioch and developing that and growing from there. And that church in Antioch then becomes a sending church. It begins as a church plant, but before you know it, Antioch is the one that is sending out. 
And in fact, as persecution broke out against the church, persecution began in Jerusalem. It was the Jewish leaders that still thought they needed to clamp down on this Jesus movement and get rid of that. So the, the, the apostles who lived in Jerusalem were under some intense persecution. It was the believers in Antioch who recognized that. They said, hey, our brothers and sisters in Jerusalem are really having a hard time. Let's help them out. And they did. They collected offerings and they, they sent aid. This, this church plant that began in this city that was not counted as being a center at all for Christianity became the center where all of God's people would be sending forth. And all of the help and aid and support that they would gather in that place, they would send out from there. That the church was going. They were moving. That they were always asking themselves and looking, what can we do for others beyond just us and our place? How can we be God's people in a way that gets us out of our huddle and looks beyond to see what God is doing, where God is going? It's one of those things that's instructive for us because I think it surprised them. It surprised them in Acts to see what God was doing. Do you catch some of that when you read through the story of Acts? Do you catch some of that conversation that takes place where where they're just scratching their head about what's going on? Wait a minute. Gentiles, not non-Jewish people, are coming to faith and And when they're baptized, the Holy Spirit comes on them. I did not see that one coming. What is God doing? Where is God taking this? They're asking those questions. And they're surprised by the answers. By leaning into what God is doing and where God is going with them. But it always found them in the wrestling of those questions, having to ask themselves, so are we going along with that? We see God working in this direction or that direction. Are we going there too? Because if God's going there, then then seems like we ought to be going there too. Where we see God working, we ought to be going to work too. You see that in the book of Acts. It's a community that's going, going to where they see God working and doing things. It's part of what it means for us to be God's community yet today too. To have that sense of being surprised. Surprised because maybe what we think church is and ought to be is not seeing the fruit of where God is working. But maybe where God is working, where we do see the fruit happening, where people are becoming renewed and refreshed in Christ Maybe those are the places where we need to look and say, if God is going there, then that's where we should be going too. If those are the ministries that are fruitful, then we ought to be pressing into that, giving our resources to that. Where we see God gathering and growing people and community, that should be where we are going to see that community flourish that way. That's how we see God's church in the book of Acts. I'm going to say a little bit more about this next week, so I'll leave a little bit of this hanging with the mission 
What does it mean for us to have the mission to do that? But understanding today that we are a community, a community that gathers, a community that grows, a community that's going. And we do that together in faith. Let's pray together. God, thank you for the gift of your word and the reminder that you call your people to be your church. And Lord, we pray that as, as we continue to work through all the things that means for us to be your church, we are thankful today that we are a people who are gathered by you. We thank you for the ways that you do grow your church, bringing new people to faith and growing us in faith together. And we are thankful for the ways that you provide opportunities for us to go forth, to be in our community. Lord, may we always do that in ways that continually focus on you and look to you as our guide in that. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.